The life of Queen Christina of Sweden is full of tragedy, scandal, and more than a little luxury. As a royal rebel, Christina didn't just rule without a man, she absolutely refused to marry. Then, when she was just 28, Christina gave up her crown. As the Pope himself said, she was, quote, a queen without a realm, a Christian without faith, and a woman without shame. Christina went from a teen queen to a dethroned misfit to a cross-dressing counterculture icon. No matter which rebrand you like best, we can all agree that more people need to know about Queen Christina of Sweden. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Thacknate.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this series has one goal, to make history fun. Because it turns out that when you take away the old words and the fancy titles, anyone who made history was probably a bit of a hot mess. This week, as part of our series on our favorite queens in history, we are discussing Christina, the infamous girl king of Sweden. Fair warning, guys, there's going to be a lot of fangirling in this episode because I'm obsessed with Christina and she's the friggin' best. So amazing. And I uh, also for sure have a big old crush on her. She's impossible not to crush on. I don't know if anyone's seen Never Been Kissed, but there's a scene in it where a guy is looking at Drew Barrymore and one of her friends goes, oh my god, guy is totally crunching on you and I'm totally crunching on Christina. God, I love 90s slang. Yeah, yeah, it's great. (laughs) My favorite burn of all time comes from can't never hardly be kissed. Can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait. That's it. (laughs) It's a girl dumping her boyfriend, and she says, cancel my subscription because I'm over your issues. Oh, so good. It's so perfectly 90s. (laughs) It's very true. And yet, you still get it. I mean, I still get it. I don't know if the kids get it. I don't know if the youths get it. Guys, we're old. Sorry if you thought we were young. We're not. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry about it, too. <laughs> I'm so sorry about it. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's dive in. Yeah? Time's a waste. We're going to die soon. <laughs> okay. Christina of Sweden had one dysfunctional childhood, my friends. Her parents were the king and queen of Sweden. So, okay, great going there so far. She won the genetic lottery. But the royal couple had a hell of a time trying to get a child to survive infancy. So when her mother, Maria Eleonora, was pregnant with Christina, she was hotly anticipated as the heir. All the kingdom was really obsessed with this baby that was finally going to come and finally going to live and hopefully going to be a boy. Unfortunately, uh, her mother, Maria Eleonora, suffered from mental illness and the birth did not go that well, uh, to put it lightly. Childbirth is already straight out of a horror movie and if you're already unstable... And you have to give birth in the 1500s. It's just really not a great combo. No. Even if you're queen. I have a a slight pregnancy childbirth phobia. More than slight. When I saw Alien for the first time, I was like, oh, this movie gets it. Like, I, I, anyway, (laughs) that's my own personal issues. But I I just get where Maria Eleonora is coming from on this. Yeah, we feel you, Maria Eleonora. But, but she didn't handle it that well. When Christina was born, she was actually covered in a hairy fleece. Her whole body was just very hairy. And they thought that it was a boy because they just want it to be a boy. So like, woohoo, it's a boy. And then 
like just afterward, attendants were like, oh, we got to go tell the king and queen that it's actually a girl. Christina's father, Gustav Adolphus, the king of Sweden, took it in stride. He said, she'll be clever. She's made fools of us all, which is pretty great. He sounds like a fun dad. I like Gustav. He's a good girl dad for sure. Her mother, Maria Eleonora, by contrast, lamented not having a son and said, take her from me. I will not have such a monster. Great. Not a great start. And it did not get better. Sure, her dad trained her in fun tomboy things like combat, but Christina kept suffering accidents when she was a child. And by that, I mean her mother, who may have sadly been suffering from postpartum depression, may have tried to kill her a lot. And I mean, again, (laughs) maybe the listeners are thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? Like every kid's accident prone. Christina, at one point in time, a beam fell into her cradle just from the roof, like just smashed into right to her cradle. Super casual. Super casual. Not suspicious at all. She also fell down a flight of stairs at one point. And then in an incident that affected her for the rest of her life, a nurse was blamed for accidentally dropping her on the floor, which historians believe injured her shoulder. So that's a lot of accidents for one little girl. Yeah. When does it stop becoming an accident and become attempted murder? I don't know. (laughs) But we are not done here. More awful childhood drama and trauma was to come. When Christina's father died in battle in 1632, shit hit the fan. Maria Eleonora was already really at her wits end, and this pushed her over the edge. Oh, yeah. Gustav Adolphus's corpse was brought home, and Christina's mother demanded that he could not be buried until she was buried with him. Basically then, just she wanted to keep his corpse chilling in the castle (laughs) and she would go and check on his body regularly and check on the decomposition and putrefaction of the corpse honey no yeah oof oof and to go along with this maria lenora forced christina into this bizarre mourning for her father where she had to stay in seclusion in a black room that was blocked off from sunlight for a year and that's not all no Maria Eleonora also kept the old king's heart in a golden casket that she hung from the ceiling and made Christina sleep in a bed underneath it. Oh, cool, cool. So she's not just like creeping on her husband's dead body. She's also making a little art and craft out of it, getting a little DIY on. <laughs> she's keeping herself busy. Goth ass pendant light. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christina, I'm so sorry. That is not a good time. So it was a pretty intense childhood for Christina of Sweden. And she was idiosyncratic in all the right ways. But maybe you can see where she got some of her weirdness from. In case you haven't noticed, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. So Gustav, Christina's dad, RIP, he was a real one. I think he sounds like he was a cool dad. And here's one of the reasons I think this. He could tell that his wife was having some issues. So he put a specific codicil in his will. Where he's like, okay, if I kick the bucket, I am making sure that my daughter, Christina, is going to go far away from her mom and go live with her aunt instead. Mm -hmm. He knew Maria Eleonora and all those accidents. (laughs) Maybe not accidents. So good move, Gustav. 
However, Mm -hmm. Marie Eleanor didn't like this idea. She didn't like the idea of being parted from her sentient punching bag. (laughs) But too bad, so sad, Marie Eleanor, because guess what? Your crazy had not gone unnoticed by Parliament. I love how she she thinks she's like a super sly, making beams fall on her baby's cradle, and and she's not. Not subtle, honey. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be. Parliament has definitely noticed all these suspicious accidents, and so they're like, "Okay, Maria Eleanor, we're gonna put you on forced compassionate leave from being queen," which is as then as now HR code for like we are locking you up in prison and it'll be like a genteel prison it'll be like a nice prison because you are queen but it's for sure prison we're getting you out of here this also i always think about what i think about this moment i think about in those cop movies when the the chief goes to his loose cannon who's just lost his partner and he's like you gotta take a break man you know you deserve a break you've been working hard here for decades and then really in his head he's like you're about to jump off the deep end. <laughs> GTFO, we don't I want you I need to you cover here. my ass, so uh, you need to get out of here, please. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what Parliament did to Maria Eleonora. So you'd think this would make Christina's life better. Oh, but you'd be wrong, because Christina's life is defined by misery, so of course things get worse. Ugh. So she goes to live with her aunt, and then obviously her aunt dies immediately, so she goes to live with a series of foster mothers, because, and this is a real thing somehow, Parliament didn't want her to get too close to anyone what the hell i hate it no thank you this baby has grown up being tried to be assassinated at every corner i think the trust issues are already there guys (laughs) you don't need to worry about it yeah it's almost like swedish parliament in the 1500s didn't have a social work degree weird (laughs) (laughs) so christina shuttled around to various social environments each one loveless in its own special way It's at this point that her mom, Maria Eleonora, hits that breaking point that I think we all saw coming. She betrays not just Christina, but all of Sweden when she commits treason by writing a letter to Sweden's sworn enemy, the King of Denmark. When this happens, Christina, who's only 13 years old at this time, by the way, she has to take her own mother to court. And at court, her mother begs her, like, hey, Christina, let me out of jail. Oopsie. Can I come back to town? And Christina has to be like, no, mom, see above. You committed treason. You can't come back home. (laughs) You're grounded, mom. You're grounded. So Maria goes back to jail after this. And she's like, well, God damn it. I guess I'm just going to burn my preteen daughter's life down. And she does. She, one night, sneaks out of the window of her jail cell, somehow catches a boat, and then goes to Denmark, again, Sweden's sworn enemy. And that's when she shacks up with the king of Denmark, not romantically, like, she just stays with him. And this puts Christina and all of Sweden into a very humiliating position, where Christina now has to effectively pay her sworn enemy to put up with her mother she has to pay her mom's rent and her mom's landlord is her number one nemesis so this is a huge deal and it's just an absolute gong show total mess mom don't embarrass me mommy issues (laughs) up the wazoo i feel like when we talk about mommy issues it's usually about like a mom and her son Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but not today friends Equal opportunity, guys. Equal opportunity trauma. 
That's what this podcast is about. (laughs) Nevertheless, despite this deeply upsetting childhood, Christina defies the odds to become this absolute hunky nerd of my dreams. She is infamous for reading for 10 hours a day. She knows eight languages. She's always grumpy. And she rocks the soft butch lifestyle with short haircuts, permanent bedhead, and masculine clothing. This is where I remind all you listeners that I for sure have a crush on Christina. She's (laughs) completely my type and I love her. Hot. She's also for sure banging her lady-in-waiting. Her name is Ebba Spar. She's known for being so stupid hot that even now... We know this girl was a hard 10. They um, literally shared a bed and historians are like, well, we think they might have been intimate. And it's like, guys, I think we know. I think we know. <laughs> we, we know. I think do, it's past a guess do now. Do we need more proof here? They shared a bed. They were obsessed with each other. And get this, when Ebba's parents eventually forced her to marry a man, they forbade her from ever getting in contact with Christina again. Yeah. And why do you think they did that? Because they knew. They knew Ebba and Christina were not just friends. They knew Christina was totally irresistible. I rest my case. They were gay. They were gay as hell. They didn't want her real boyfriend stealing her away. Exactly. So. So she's awesome. She's so awesome. She's just the best. She's an icon already. And then she just gets more iconic. Christina makes a stunning declaration where in historic speak, of course, she effectively says... Fuck men, I'm never getting married or having kids. When I die, my cousin will be king, so like, don't even stress about heirs. I'm dead serious about this. Don't at me. Die mad about it. I'm never going to change my mind. And no one can ever bring these topics up with me because it's just useless and I don't (laughs) want to talk about it anymore. Peace. Don't at me. Don't at me. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) And so the court is kind of like, uh, well, it's not like we have another heir, so I guess we accept your terms, Christina? And she takes power in 1650. And at her coronation, Christina specifically orders people to address her not as the queen, but as the king. And this is a very hot detail to me. Because it's objectively hot. It's so hot. It's so hot, Christina. I'm crunching on you, Christina. Still crunching. Never cancel my subscription. (laughs) I'll never be over your issues. I have a lifetime subscription. Auto renew. (laughs) (laughs) So now Christina is the hottest kingly queen, and she is so hot. Just, I'm going to belabor this point here because it deserves to be belabored. Oh my God, she's so hot. She's so flippin' hot. She's like a curry. She was really famous around court by this point, not just for being like a bit of a tomboy, but for being a full hunky man she rode like a man she walked like a man she cursed like a man and her chancellors were so perturbed by this that they even hired a whole ballet troupe to take up residence in the castle so she could sort of become more elegant by osmosis Uh, but she just kept being a boss you know in my head i like to think that she then seduced like a hot ballet dancer too so hiring a bunch of ballerinas to come hang out with queen christina it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Has no one seen center stage in 17th century Sweden? Like, <laughs> people sleep together all the time in ballet companies. Come on. Foolish. So she also, the other thing she did with all her new royal time was to become even more of a total Hermione. She slept only four hours a day and she spent the rest of her time reading and studying and just doing all the nerdy things that she loved. 
Also, she was really up on the high profile thinkers of her day. She invited none other than Rene Descartes to Sweden. Uh, this didn't go so well. <laughs> they ended up really hating each other. And uh, <laughs> Descartes even died soon after he visited Christina's castle one day. So that one didn't have a happy ending. But she did for a time gainfully employ him, which is good on her. Good on her. I feel like we've buried the lead. Did Queen Christina Loki kill Descartes? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't say. But this didn't mean that she didn't have her vanities and her vices. In 1648, she developed a kind of mania for collecting things, whether it be a sculpture, painting, statue, scientific instruments. And she blew a bunch of money redoing her castles and getting these various collections in them. She also once executed a historian and his son because the historian called her a Jezebel and claimed she just liked sport and pleasure, which uh, she likes books too. What's what's so wrong with that? But perhaps execution is a little <laughs> bit of an overkill on yeah, that one. Yeah, Christina. that's fair. Christina like signing his death warrant as she's like, I like to read too. <laughs> He missed that. <laughs> yeah, see, I can read this death warrant. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I counted reading as pleasure. <laughs> the thing is, even Christina's bookworm qualities had its dark side. She was going so hard in the library. When she was just 25 years old, she suffered a nervous breakdown. And doctors told her like, well, okay, you gotta get some sleep sometimes. And maybe you should have fun a little bit. <laughs> like you don't need to always be studying a new language. And this period of her life was actually the beginning of a really profound change in Christina. At this point, or around this point, she got really, really into Catholicism. And uh, she was at first just interested, I think, in exploring the ideas about it. Uh, Sweden was very, very Protestant at the time, uh, but she was she sort of became interested and corresponded with a bunch of papal uh, individuals. <gasps> it was a huge no-no at the time. And so she had to do it almost completely in secret. Yeah, there's only one thing worse than being a tomboy lesbian, and that's... Being a Catholic tomboy lesbian. <laughs> exactly. Oof. So after she starts exploring Catholicism, she comes to a really earth-shattering decision. In 1654, she decides to completely abdicate in favor of her cousin Charles Gustav, and she's just 28 years old at this point. She's done with the whole scene of propriety, marrying men, being Protestant, having breakdowns, and all that. As she put it in a total badass way, quote, it is a far greater happiness to obey no one than to rule the world. Oh, that's so Ooh. good. It is so good. So good. She then converts officially to Catholicism later in the year that she abdicates, but she still doesn't tell anyone because she wants this sweet, sweet ex-queen alimony. The court's going to pay her and they wouldn't do that if she was Catholic. And the last point I just want to get to here is she gave herself a hell of a goodbye. Just like her coronation, this woman knew how to use symbols. Christina wears full regalia at her abdication ceremony and then has men slowly strip Ooh. her down into just a bare taffeta gown. So stripteases are powerful people. And then when one of her men faltered, 
and froze when it was time to take off her crown in this ritual. She just did it herself. Mic drop. The appropriate end to her era. I mean, but that's only the end of this era. <laughs> like that transition? <laughs> After Christina gives up her crown, she is determined to live life on her own terms. How do you do that? Money, money, money. With money. So she low key steals a bunch of the palace's tapestries and silver to fund her new, completely dope gay lifestyle. Love it. <laughs> so good. Then she disguises herself in men's clothing, takes the name Count Dona, which sounds like Donut, which again, just I continue to find her very hot. And she rides her horse throughout enemy lands in Denmark. And as Christina travels around, she really relishes in her newfound freedom. She lets her inner party girl come through. She visits nobles a bunch. She parties. She actually parties so hard at the Archduke of Austria's house that she nearly bankrupts the poor guy. Like, <laughs> that's how hard she parties. That's how you do it. She also just dates a ton of hot women, obviously, and she amasses this huge entourage of 250 people. Modern rappers, ugh, they could never. They wish they were Queen Christina. And she just, like, lives her best life. Then she goes to Rome, and when she gets to Rome, the jig is up. You can't really be secretly Catholic when you live in Rome. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do. There's this huge procession when she enters the city. People are like, it's Queen Christina. She's here. We love her, especially now that she's Catholic. Oh, and then she just fully lives in the Vatican. Like, the jig is up, Christina. The jig is up. <laughs> Girl. So Sweden catches on. They're like, mm, okay. <laughs> We see what's it's happening. Like, hmm, the clues are amassing. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you might be Catholic, Christina. So they stop signing her checks. They stop funding her gay hedonist Catholic lifestyle. Christina's like, whatever, fine. She opens a free thinking academy. She also experiments with a bisexual phase. Ooh. She strikes up this suggestive correspondence with a bad boy cardinal. Mm. <laughs> and in one really spicy letter, she says she will, quote, live and die as your slave. Ow. Kinky. So kinky. I also really... Again, this is, has no historical basis, just a uh, <laughs> disclaimer. But in my head, she's like, yeah, women are great. But what if I got a man of the cloth to fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't just want a man. She sets her sights on the most unattainable man possible. Yes. And she gets him. Yes. Oh, and um, here's how she got him. So I think Christina had been a tomboy for so long that she had actually had a lot of time to study high femmes and femme culture. And she decided that, like, it's just tits for her. Like, it just, it really just boils down to great cleavage. <laughs> she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. And I mean, like, fair point. It clearly works. What she does when she's in Rome going after this cardinal is she shows off her breasts and her cleavage so aggressively that the Pope himself has to ask her to put the girls away. <laughs> He's like, Christina, you have to stop almost flashing people constantly. Look like you live in the Vatican now. Put the girls away. <laughs> it's so good. It's my favorite thing in all of history. It's my absolute favorite thing. Okay. So now we enter a phase of Christina's life that I call the Monal Desi gong show. So after showing off her boobs too hard, 
She says goodbye to the Vatican. She's like, if you won't let me show my boobs, I'm taking this roadshow somewhere else. Yeah, Christina doesn't like to be told what to do. If she wants to walk around showing off them honkers, then that's what she's going to do. And you can't tell her otherwise. So she leaves. She moves to Fontainebleau Palace in 1657. And that is where she meets Monaldeshi. He becomes her master of the horse. And they maybe started dating. People aren't really sure, but maybe... And then, whatever was going on between them, friends with benefits, who knows, everything implodes. Christina thinks Monaldeshi is plotting against her. She's right. Obviously. He's copying her letters, specifically letters about her spicy personal life, which if I was going to copy letters, those would be the ones I copied. And he's sending them to Christina's old frenemy, the Pope. Why? To this day, we have no clue. I I have a suggestion. The Pope was also really into (gasps) her. And it was his kink to get her letters. Disclaimer, again, zero historical basis, but my own personal headcanon. I like that. I like that hate to love Mm rom-com trope. mm -hmm. She's irresistible, as we have established. Now, while this was happening, Christina confronts Monaldeshi about her suspicions. He immediately weathers and fesses up to the entire thing. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) He's like, I did it. I'm sorry. I should die. You should kill me. And maybe he said this rhetorically, but Christina took it very, very literally. She's like, yeah, maybe you should die. And she orders her men to kill him. (gasps) Oh, my God. She orders her servants to slit his throat and he for sure dies. Yes. I feel like this guy played the wrong hand. I know. (laughs) You know? He shouldn't have tattled. Snitches get stitches. Yeah, that's true. So here's the other problem with this. Everyone was obsessed with Monodeshi. They loved him. He was their fave. So killing him was very bad for Christina's reputation. She became something of a social leper. But as though that interrupted her for a sec, Christina was like, outcast? But make it fashion. (laughs) And she became this counterculture icon. In her later years, Christina gained weight and rocked strange outfits. She would wear a little belt around the biggest part of her tummy and be like, yeah, I'm a prosperous lady. Look at this tum I've cultivated. Jealous? I love that. I love it so much. (laughs) She also had a light beard and she cut her hair really short and styled it to stand straight up. It's like any norm, any convention, any idea of what a typical woman should do or look like. Mm -hmm. She would just turn it Mm -hmm. on its head. She was like, hard pass to conventional beauty. I'm going to be punk rock. I'm going to be avant-garde. I'm going to be cool as hell. She also opened artsy theaters, and she was all about protecting the vulnerable, including and especially religious minorities. She was a thorn in the side to the powerful men who tried to oppress Jewish people. So Christina's a boss. I love her. However, her body ain't right. Christina had diabetes, and then she got an infection, and then the infection led to pneumonia, and she died in Rome at 62 years old. Oh my gosh, the woman can do no wrong, except the execution stuff. Went a little overboard on that. (laughs) She can do almost no wrong. (laughs) She could do no wrong, asterisk, footnote, killed a couple people. (laughs) That's the end of our adventure with King Christina of Sweden. She was a queer woman for the ages. I'm obsessed with her. I wish I could have dated her. I need all the biopics about her. Do you know her modern equivalent? Dex me. <laughs> I would for sure date them too. Yes, please. Me too. If, if they've got a twin, just go for let it. me know. Or we can share. Yeah, I don't think Christina's modern spiritual uh, equivalent would mind. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, guys. So thanks for listening and getting to know my very favorite queen slash king, Christina of Sweden. This podcast has been brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about Christina, check out our article on her. The link is in the show notes. Please leave us a review on the iTunes store or Apple podcasts. We'll be back next week with another iconic queen to tell you about. But in the meantime, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was a damn soap opera. Mm Mm-hmm.